want to uh, bring two things to your attention quickly before we dive in. The first is uh, Meredith uh, mentioned this. We are so honored if, you, if you're with us th- uh, this morning for maybe the first time or maybe you've been with us once or twice before, but, but you're a guest with us. I want to draw your attention to the back of your worship guide. You, f- you should find on the back uh, what we call a connect, connect form. Um, you can do this a couple of different ways. If you have a a smartphone on you, you can scan that QR code. It'll take you to our website where you can fill out a, a form online, or you can uh, just pull out a pen or pencil and, and fill out the form. And then later in the service, we'll pass a basket and you can drop that form in there. This gives us a way to follow up with you and tell you more about the church and, and help you maybe get, get more connected. We would love to get you connected to the life of our church. Um, the second thing is that um, we are collaborating as a church family uh, in this season to um, to care for a, a single mom uh, in need this Christmas. She has uh, four kids, and um, we just want to love her well. She, she uh, is connected to, to one of our members, and um, so, so there's an opportunity for us to just step in and to serve and love her well, um, but we want to do that with dignity, you know, so, so um, maintaining her dignity, so we, so we want to support her, and there's a way that you can do that. We actually have created a sign-up genius where you can sign up to help provide some gifts for for her children, um, and, and then also for, for just her household. Um, so after the service, if you want to step into that, several of you have already signed up, which is awesome. I would love to see every, every gift just marked off the list and just serve her and love her well in the season. So if you would like to, to get in on the action, um, we'll have someone at the Connect table, and we actually can pull up that Sign Up Genius form. I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll volunteer. I'll be at the Connect table after the service. Um, and you can sign up with me, and we'll get you signed up to help take care of, of one of those items. But we, we want to love and serve her well um, in this season. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2 this morning. Um, we're, we're using Matthew, uh, Matthew's account of the birth of Christ uh, in this Advent season to guide us along. Um, and this morning we find ourselves in chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12. And so you can churn your uh, smart device or Bible to Matthew chapter 2, and I'll be reading from the Christian Standard Bible from Matthew 2. Let's read these words together. Matthew records that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star... They were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. On, on Monday, August 21st of last year, 2017, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, the nation watched as uh, the, we watched the sky as the sun little by little disappeared from it. My kids and I were fascinated by uh, this event, as was our president. Perhaps you remember a funny picture of our president staring at the sun without glasses, even though we had been warned not to look at the sun during the solar eclipse without appropriate glasses. Now, now solar eclipses are not all that uncommon, but the opportunity to see a, a total solar eclipse is much more rare. And this is what made last year's uh, solar eclipse so unique. This is when the moon passes uh, completely in between the earth and the sun um, and, and covers the side of the sun except for what's called the corona, which is the atmosphere surrounding the sun. And so people from all over um, watched this event and many actually uh, traveled to uh, what's called the path of totality. There was, there was kind of a line that cut the United States in half uh, which was the path where you could, like, you could be in the path of totality, where the moon would completely block the sun from view. And so people would travel all over to get into the path of totality to witness this event. In fact, I learned that there are actually groups of people who travel the world over to experience this moment of totality time and again. They'll like, actually travel all over the globe to watch solar eclipse, eclipses happen all over the world. And, and and many of these people were interviewed last year during this event, and, and they describe the moment that the moon completely moves in place in the path of the sun as, as a euphoric, almost, and, and deeply spiritual moment. I watched videos and, uh, of, of this happening, and when totality was happening, uh, the atmosphere of these observers almost, it could almost be described as reverent. There would be gasps and, and awes that would eventually give, ways, give way to cheers and, and, and celebration. It's, it's a weird thing to watch the sun disappear from the sky, even when you understand the science behind it. And I've wondered before what people thought was happening with an eclipse before we understood that the earth was round and that we were revolving, you know, we were doing a revolution around the sun. And I've wondered also what our response would be to some cosmological phenomenon that we couldn't explain. Imagine an event in the sky that we didn't have a scientific explanation for, because that's, that's exactly what was happening 2,000 years ago. This gospel writer Matthew tells us that, that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and it was likely about two years after he was born, a, a star kind of rose above the horizon in the sky. Now, I want, you, I want you to try to imagine this. This is probably hard for us because I doubt many of us spend much time observing the sky. Maybe you have a telescope. Maybe, like, that's your hobby. Um, so this would resonate more with you. But for most of us, other than, like, Orion and the Big Dipper, I'm done with constellations. Like, I, I don't know. I even took an astronomy class in high school, and, and I'm, I'm useless. So I doubt most of us would even notice if a new star appeared in the sky. But, but back in the first century, see, they didn't have GPSs and electricity. And so uh, the night sky was watched a whole lot more regularly. It was important. This is oftentimes how people would navigate. 
And out of nowhere, Matthew says, a new star appeared. Now, there have been attempts over the years at trying to scientifically explain what this, what this phenomenon was. Some have said that it was a supernova or, or that it was a comet or, um, I learned a new phrase, a planetary conjunction. This is, when, this is when like Jupiter or Saturn falls right in line with another star or planet and it appears brighter in the sky. There, there are all kinds of conjectures about what, what this Bethlehem star was. But in, in Matthew's account of, of the story, in Matthew's account of history, he's less concerned with offering us a natural explanation so much as he is its significance. He's, he's focused on what the star meant, what it indicated. And however the star came to rest in the night sky, Matthew views its ultimate cause as God himself. God has caused this star to appear. And so this morning, I want us to consider with these wise men, with, with Herod, with King Herod, with the chief priests and the scribes, and with Mary, the meaning of the star. And I, I think the star of Bethlehem indicates at least three things. It indicated three things to them, and it indicates three things to us. And the first thing that the star indicates is a world-altering event. The star indicated a world-altering event. Look at verses 1 and 2 again with me. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we, we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. There were, there were some in the first century that made stargazing their profession. Matthew calls them magi, or as the, the CSB translates it, wise men. In our nativity scenes at home, th these men are depicted more like kings, but they, they weren't kings. They were probably something in between uh, astronomers and astrologers. And according to commentators, the, the profession of, of studying and interpreting stars had become a sophisticated science in Babylon in the first century. David Turner is a theologian, and he says that the Magi were, were prominent priestly professionals who studied stars and discerned the signs of the times. Matthew adds the detail for us that they were from the east. These were likely men from Arabia or Babylon or Persia. Wherever they were from, Matthew tells us that when this group of men saw the star, they believed that it indicated that something significant was happening in the course of human history. Their interpretation of the star at its appearing was that it demonstrated the birth of a new king. Now, how these men come to this conclusion exactly is, is not completely clear. But upon their determination of its meaning, they begin a journey in the direction of the star. They, they see the star and they think, this is something big. God is doing something big here. This is, this is a world-altering thing that is happening. And so they mount up on their camels, and we, we presume from our nativity scenes, and they start in the direction of, of the star. And as they follow the star, it leads them in the direction of Jerusalem, of Israel. And so they head toward the capital city of Israel. And, and so for the Magi, this star... It was a non-ignorable phenomenon. It was something that they, they could not ignore. They had to investigate. It, it beckoned them to travel and to see what this all meant. 
who this king was that they believe has been born. And see, that's the thing, right? The entrance of Jesus into the world, it is a non-ignorable event. See, you can't get around the historical significance of Jesus. Like, we've tried this, right? We've, we've had all these quests for the historical Jesus. We tried to, there have been men who have come along and said, well, Jesus didn't really exist. We've tried this. And, and the reality is we just can't ignore the reality and the historicity of the man, Jesus. His arrival is a world-altering event. Think about this. We're 2,000 years removed from this story. And people are gathered in assemblies just like our own this morning all over the world to celebrate his arrival. It calls for our attention. It beckons for our affection just as it did those wise men. And so the question for us this morning, the first thing that this star is putting before us is, what will you do with him? It's fascinating to me that in this account, there are different responses to the star. The the Magi follow it, but Herod fears it. And see, this leads us into the second thing about this star. It it not only indicated a world-altering event, but it also indicated a kingdom-threatening event. The star indicated a kingdom-threatening event. Look at verse 3. When King Herod heard this, heard what? Heard from the Magi that this star was indicating to them that a new king had been born. And because it was in the direction of Israel, they presumed that it's a king of the Jews. It says he was deeply disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. And so... Herod is going to do his own investigation. He, he assembles the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and he asks them where the Christ was to be born. Herod connects the dots. The Magi show up saying, a new king of the Jews has been born. Herod goes, oh, that's Messiah, the promised one. And so he calls together the religious leaders of Israel, and he says, hey, where do you guys interpret the Old Testament to tell us the Messiah would be born? And they all agree in Bethlehem of Judea because that is what was written by the prophet. See, the prophet Micah had prophesied, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Matthew tells us that when King Herod hears about this star, he's deeply disturbed. That word disturbed in the Greek is terasso. It literally means to stir up. And it communicates the idea of anxiety and fear. And so Herod is terrified. He's greatly troubled at this news of a new king. The star's appearance is not good news at all to Herod. Because If there truly was a child who had been born king of the Jews, then Herod's throne is delegitimized. He's exposed. His kingdom is in jeopardy. And Matthew adds that not only was Herod disturbed, but but all of Jerusalem with him. So what does that mean? This is likely a reference to the Jerusalem establishment. The elites in Jerusalem who, who controlled the politics and the economics and the religious activities of the rest of the nations. Many of the religious leaders in Jerusalem were the establishment. They were kind of they were bedfellows with King Herod. And so their fears would be closely parallel to his. And so they're scared, too, if a potential rival 
is on the horizon. And so Herod is anxious about the Magi's interpretation of the star, and he, he summons these scribes and priests, and he says, hey, where's the Messiah going to come from? And they tell him, in Bethlehem of Judea, Micah, 400 years before this moment, had, had prophesied that, that, that Bethlehem would by no means be least among the rulers of Judah. Because out of Bethlehem would come a ruler to shepherd God's people. They all agree, and they tell Herod, Bethlehem's the spot. And so Herod pulls these wise men in secretly, and he says, hey, uh, when did this star first appear? And, and then he sends them on a mission to go find the child. See, at this point in time, the star had gone away. It had gotten the Magi to Jerusalem. Bethlehem is about five miles away. And so they're in, they're in Jerusalem. They're still looking for the child. Herod says, hey, he's supposed to be in Bethlehem. Why don't you go look for him? And when you find him, and after you paid your respects, why don't you come tell me where he is? Herod says he wants to worship the child, but we know better. Though he says he wants to pay his own respects, he, his real intentions are to kill the newborn king. And see, Herod maybe understands the ramifications of Jesus' birth better than some of us do. Because he knew that if Jesus was born as the legitimate king of Israel, then he could not remain king. If, if Jesus is the true, true king, then everyone else must vacate their throne. Herod discerned that the star indicated a kingdom-threatening reality. But Herod loved his position of power, even more than he loved the promise of God's presence. He didn't want to give up the throne. The arrival of Emmanuel was, was less to him than his current kingship. Even though he knew that his throne was a politically orchestrated farce. And so Herod begins to plot a way to do, plot a way to, to do away with the child king. And what this shows us is that in the end, you either must bow down before Jesus like the Magi, or you must do your best to do away with him. You either must crown Jesus or you must crucify him. Now, I've thought a lot about that statement this week as I've studied this text, and I noticed something. There, there is this group in the story that initially does neither of these things. While the Magi go to Bethlehem to find the child, and Herod plots how he's going to kill them, these chief priests and scribes who interpreted for Herod where the Messiah would come from, who were aware of the star, they don't do anything. They just stay in Jerusalem. They don't participate in Herod's conspiracy, nor do they follow the Magi to Bethlehem. It appears that they take a neutral posture. And see, that's what a lot of people want to believe they can do with Jesus. A lot of people want to keep Jesus around as a cute baby in the manger. He makes for a great nativity scene. A lot of people want to say that Jesus is a good ethical teacher. They love the Sermon on the Mount and all that stuff. But they don't want to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They don't want to believe that Jesus is the King of glory. They don't want to believe that Jesus calls for our affection, our adoration, our worship. And see, what happens, though, is if you stick with Matthew's story of Jesus, Right? If, if you stick with it all the way to the end, what you'll find is that these same chief priests and scribes who start out kind of apathetic, kind of neutral toward Jesus, by the end of the story, they're the very ones leading the charge to kill Jesus. Though they start out aloof, kind of apathetic, 
not really taking a position. In the end, they end up angry and antithetical and want to kill him just like Herod. And that's because the real Jesus is a non-ignorable king who arrives with claims about himself and forces us to a decision of what we will do with him. In his own words, Jesus would later say things like this. Don't think that I've come to bring peace. I have not come to bring peace on earth, but a sword. For I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. The one who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The one who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And whoever finds his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will find it. Jesus came as a kingdom-threatening Messiah. He, He came calling sinners to repentance and calling them to follow him. He came calling us to treasure him above all else, to renounce all worldly treasures and worldly kingdoms and to come after him. Jesus draws a line in the sand and says, are you with me or are you against me? We can't believe the lie that we can have Jesus and remain the king of our own lives. Herod understood that. And that's why he tried to do away with Jesus. And that's why these chief priests and scribes would end up following suit. And this is what is perhaps most wrong with our Americanized version of Christianity. Because it suggests to us that we can keep our throne and still call Jesus king. And that's offensive to him. Either he's the king and has authority over our lives or he's not. But in me saying that, don't misunderstand me. In the end, the throne is his. He is the legitimate heir. And your life belongs to him whether you want it to or not. And there is a day coming, the scriptures tell us, when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But again, don't misunderstand me. Because this sounds really harsh and this sounds really hard right now. But the truth is, there could not be better news to confess. The arrival of Jesus as king is the best news ever. The sad reality is Herod just didn't have eyes to see it. And that's the third thing I want us to notice about this meaning of the star. It not only indicated a world-altering event and a kingdom-threatening event, it also indicated a joy-inspiring event. Look at verse 9. It says, After hearing the king, they, that's the magi, went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. These wise men, they depart from Jerusalem toward Bethlehem, about a five-miles journey. And, And as they travel, suddenly the star that had gotten them to Jerusalem now reappears. The CSB says, there it was. 
The word here is ado, which means behold. They're like walking towards Bethlehem and they're like, look, it's back. And it says when they saw it, they were overwhelmed with joy. Let's just say that the euphoria that these eclipse chasers feel at the moment of totality, it paled in comparison to the worship moment that happened with those magi as they traveled toward Bethlehem. They're overcome with joy. And I want us to take a step back and consider this for a moment because these men were Gentiles, likely not very acquainted with the promises of the Old Testament scriptures. And yet at the sight of the star, they begin to worship. They begin to celebrate. Why were they so exuberant over this star? And the only answer that I can come to is that they believed deep down in their souls that something legitimately significant had arrived in this king, that God was revealing something life-altering to them, that this was no ordinary child, that this was the one that they were actually seeking for their whole lives, that someone worthy of their worship had arrived. Verse 11 tells us that entering the house, they saw the child with Mary and they fell before him and worshiped him. This was not mere respect. This was not just homage. This was bona fide worship. They fall before Jesus and they worship and they open up their treasures and they, they, they give him gold and frankincense and myrrh. How they understood who Jesus was, the text doesn't completely reveal to us. As one commentator put it, in the final analysis, the worship of the Magi was nothing less than a miracle of divine grace. God opened their eyes and opened their hearts to believe in Jesus and they fell before him and they worship. And the same is true for you and me. We need God's grace to see and behold Jesus for who he is, just like these wise men. And so how do we discover the joy of the Magi? I think we do what the Magi did. They followed the star until they fell down before Jesus. The Apostle Peter writes to the church regarding the Christian faith, regarding the testimony of Jesus, for we did not follow cleverly divide, contrived myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice when it came from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. We also have the prophetic word strongly confirmed, and you do well to pay attention to it. Listen, catch it. As to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, know this, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from, prop one, from the prophet's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Do you hear what Peter is saying to the church? Just as the Magi followed the star, we follow the word of the prophets, which Peter calls a lamp shining in a dark place like the morning star. As we give ourselves to these Scriptures, which point us to Jesus, we behold him. It leads us to the Christ, and we marvel with the Magi at the power of Jesus and at the authority of Jesus and at the compassion of Jesus and at the grace of Jesus. And we, as we behold him, we bow ourselves down before him and we worship because we realize that truly indeed Jesus is the king that we've been looking for. 
Jesus says to us in John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came to be our joy. He came to give us a heart-gladdening happiness in himself. Do you remember what he told the woman at the well? Do you remember this occasion in John chapter 4 where Jesus had to go to Samaria? He had to pass through Samaria that day because he had a divine appointment with this woman. And this woman had been looking for love in all of the wrong places. She'd been trying to fill that hole in her heart with all of the wrong things. Man after man after man, relationship after relationship had just left an empty void in her heart until she met Jesus. And Jesus tells her, whoever drinks of the water that I will give, will never thirst again, for the water that I give will become a well of water springing up to eternal life. Ma'am, I have a joy that you've been looking for to offer you that nothing else in this world can give you. Church, the arrival of Jesus is the dawning of true life-giving joy. Before our worship gathering this morning, I had the privilege sitting down with a brother. I call him brother because this morning he found that joy in Jesus, gave his life to Christ. I had the privilege of watching God's divine grace gladden a heart. It was beautiful. And so I just want to ask as we close this morning, what about you? Have you come to see that Jesus is the one that you are looking for? That he is the joy of heaven that has come to give himself to you and to me. The star shone bright in the sky to indicate that true joy had arrived in Jesus. And when the Magi saw it, they were overcome with joy. And when we see Jesus for who he truly is, our hearts will be overcome with joy. Church, put your hope in him. Bow down before him in worship. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that in the fullness of time you sent forth your son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem us. Jesus, you came as the true king. As we sang earlier, you were the one through whom all things exist. You are the one sustaining all things by the word of your power. You are the one holding all things together. In you, Jesus, all things hold together. And yet, in humility, you robed yourself in flesh and you humbled yourself and came to earth. And you did that because you love us. Jesus, I pray that you would give us the clarity this morning to see that you are the rightful heir to the throne. You're the king. You came to set things right. You came to call sinners to repentance. Jesus, you are inviting us to a better way. You're inviting us to renounce our little lame kingdoms, our ridiculous attempts at being king over our own lives. You call us to renounce those thrones and to submit to you, to bow down before you. And Jesus, that's really good news because you're a good king. You're a righteous king. You're a just king. 
You're a king who offers us joy. God, I pray that you would grant the grace of faith this morning to believe that Jesus is a better king. That Jesus is a king that brings joy. That nothing else in this world could satisfy us. It's Jesus, only Jesus. Lord, would you grant that grace this morning? Grant the grace of repentance and faith. God, would you put a testimony on our lips to tell others that the true king has come. His name is Jesus. And we go like the shepherds and tell others. God, may we be like the wise men who gave their best gifts, gifts fit for a king. And we give our lives to you. We pray these things in Jesus.